position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode 92. It's 92, right, Ivor? Crack engineer Ivor Molina informs me that, yes, welcome to episode 92 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, uh, being recorded for you the second time, actually, on uh, this magnificent Saturday, the 30th of July, 2016, or for you, my fellow sequel wizards, even though we run, rule the universe and run the world, don't let them, don't let them suspect it. For those of you who support my personal favorite time and date format, timestamp 2016-07-30, at 16.21pm Pacific Coast Time, also known as, ironically enough, 4.28 p.m. Pacific Coast time. I know that you might notice the difference there. It's the first time I'm doing it my way now. Anyway, <laughs> we have a lot of, lot of stuff to talk about this week. Um, so let's get straight to it, shall we? Uh, let's start with our top stories. Um, first off in our top stories, because I know... I know, I feel your pain, everyone, every devoted, fanatic, religious, with a religious, with a, with a zeal bordering on religiosity, every 
every psychotic fan who is obsessed with this show, all one and a half of them, now, um, cannot get enough. I know that just the average listener cannot get enough of me talking about Duskers on the show. So, I come to you with the following news and pronouncement of your doom. Yes, indeed, officially, this week, I... I crossed the Rubicon. I have now completely thrown off all remnants of false modesty, along with all, you know, aspects of etiquette, decorum, and, you know, politeness. That, you know, all, all bullshit has been stripped, and I have now officially laid claim in a public forum, and legitimately, legitimately, and without any sardonic, sarcasm, facetious bullshit. I have seriously thrown down the gauntlet and have pronounced myself not just pronounced myself I have right I've claimed my rightful title as being the greatest Duskers player in the world and to that end with the gauntlet being thrown down and to any doubters anyway and blah I now challenge openly and in perpetuity any other Duskers players operating within the Vialactia area. I challenge anyone who believes that they can unseat me as the ti- and claim the title of being the greatest Duskers player in the world. I challenge them to learn how to really play Duskers. I will school you I will teach you. I challenge them to challenge me. You can find me at Vegas Writer, V-E-G-A-S-W-R-I-T-E-R. And, uh, we'll, we'll set up, uh, we'll do it however you want to do a baby, so long as, uh, we can, uh, record it and put it on YouTube. I'll show you how to play. It's okay. It's okay. Life is a learning process. So yeah, this all happened, uh, earlier this week when, and I'm, I'm serious. I'm the greatest Duskers player in the world. That's it. Period. Um, I posted three videos to YouTube. There are links to those three videos uh, on our website, www.bestlinuxgames.com. I will try to remember... I will make a note uh, for me to add uh, the links to those three videos, uh, two of which are the end of my epic run to Duskers. Uh, epic... The end of my epic run of Duskers, which is ironically split into two, two videos, one of which is two hours long, the other one is 15 minutes. And then the third video is just 30 minutes of me playing Duskers. Um, and that will, I, 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 I can't promise you that I won't record any more videos about Duskers. But anyway, um, I'll try to remember to add links to those in the blurb for this week's show. So you can easily find them. I recommend checking out the 30 minute long video of Duskers, but that's it. That's all I have to say about that. I've embraced the fact that I am the greatest Duskers player in the world. It is my title. Bring it, interwebs. Bring it. I'm not interested in anything. And by the way, I have terms and conditions in terms of uh, the way uh, pretenders to the crown uh, should challenge me. The format, which, etc. Um, basically being that uh, we, you know, WebRTC, R, you know, RNC, we, we, we get, we get, we get a screen by screen simultaneous connection of us playing the Duskers thing that I will record live. Um, you know, so it'll be like split screen 
blah, and we go until the other person loses. Um, further terms are negotiable in terms of like what actually qualifies as having won, but really we go until the other person loses in one session live. And then I post that to YouTube. That's, that's how it's going to be. I'm taking all eager, eager students. So second piece of news in our top stories. <laughs> how is that for pretty sinister? Yep. Come on. I'll learn you. I'll learn you some duskers. I'll show you the right way to play. It's cool. I know you were something. You were something in your small pond. This is a big time now. You're talking to Skooky Sprite. World ultimate champion. All time living greatest Duskers player. The title. The gauntlet. The challenge. The stark cold reality for many, many, many soon to be disillusioned posers. So at Vegas Writer, V-E-G-A-S-W-R-I-T-E-R. Hit me up there. We'll talk. We'll figure it out. So, second in our top stories. I was reviewing uh, our website. I was working on our website. Uh, actually, Ivor and I were working on the website. We were just checking some stuff out. And uh, it gave us an occasion as we were going through like the big, uh, complete episode blog roll, some of which we did not fix, but whatever. Gave us an occasion uh, to queue up some background music. So we went over to some old episodes on SoundCloud. And it occurred to me that it's been... About a month, month and change since we last talked about or gave an update regarding the internet's <laughs> favorite, favorite punching bag, critical battering ram, fan based fucking BDSM fucking ball gag, uh, uh, rape torture snuff video participant. Uh, title of the year, Mighty No Nine, Mighty Number Nine. And, uh, there have been some developments. So, uh, even though this does kind of define what I, I want to build out as a broader theme for this week's episode, that broader theme turned into a huge two hour episode that will be our hundredth episode. So we're just going to keep this, you know, we're going to try to, we're going to try to stay in control, damn it. Ivor, sedate me. Ah, thank you. Ah, Ivor with the, uh, atomized hypodermic injection. Yes, you're right, Ivor. Only more whiskey. Yes. So that's what happens when I start the show without the requisite amount of whiskey in my system. You get a two hour complete history. Anyway, so we're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about Mighty Number no. Nine. So on, on Friday, earlier, Actually, I can't remember if it was on Friday or Thursday. I wrote to the guys behind Mighty Number no. Nine, um, the developers, and I, I had three questions. Wrote them a nice little email. Um, I haven't heard back from them yet, but I do really hope to hear back from them. I expect that, I mean, any legitimate company or development team, you know, generally, no matter what outlet I've worked for, um, you know, eventually you hear back from them because it's just, it's ridiculous and unprofessional to not respond at all. I mean, you're supposed to be, you're not, I know you're not just a developer or, you know, a publisher and a developer or, you know, whatever, a corporation that has other things to do. You are, you're not just a developer, you are also that corporation. So it's like, 
it's ultra sketchy not to respond to at all in any way, shape, or form to a media request um, from any outlet. So, and I have no, I have no reason to doubt that I will hear from them, you know, sometime in the future. But until then, we can only go off of these bits of information. About two weeks ago, Mighty Number no. Nine removed the uh, Linux from their list of platforms uh, from the Steam store from their Steam store page um, in terms of the platforms that Mighty Number no. Nine is available. I regarded this as actually a, po- a, mo- a positive move for them because it kind of I mean, they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't because in preparation for uh, this news item, I went and revisited all of Mighty Number no. 9. I've read the entirety of their website and I did read quite a bit of the uh, Steam uh, discussion forums, which are blossoming, especially in the Linux department and especially recently with uh, people who are curious. You know, they range in opinion from on the spectrum from uh, eager to curious to disgruntled to hostile, to furious, um, with various questions about, you know, the, the Linux release. So they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't. If they leave, if they left up the Linux release thing, uh, availability, then they would be getting shit for still selling the game without actually, and, uh, you know, uh, purporting to support a system that the game does not support, even though, they may still be planning to support Linux, you know, and, and may be actively working on it. It might actually be part of their, you know, real legitimate, you know, they're just having some problems and some delays. They'd get shit for that, or, like this, they would get shit for pulling that icon when, in fact, they still plan to release for Linux. So, here's the problem. I think it's a positive move, but here's the problem. So they pulled, so that's fact number one. They pulled Linux from their list of supporting thing, from list of supported platforms on their Steam page. So their store, and this is technically, I think the only outlet that they sell Mighty Number no. Nine for PC. So they, their store no longer says that they are available for Linux, which I think is good because right now it's not available for Linux. So people who are eager to play it, for Linux, and generally when you buy something, unless it's a pre-order, unless it's marked as a pre-order, generally when you buy something for a specific platform on Steam, you expect to be able to play it on that specific platform um, using this thing called the internet, which uses like uh, electrons and all sorts of other things that involve physics and math and um, and other things that are way beyond the abacus that most of us still use. Uh, it uses that stuff to kind of make those purchases available instantly, so... Within, like, you know, 20 seconds to two hours of having purchased a game on Steam that is supposed to be for your platform, you should be playing it on your platform on Steam. Correct? Right? That's not an unreasonable expectation. So, removing that, blah. That, that I think, is a positive thing. Now, however, Mighty Number no. 9's Steam Store page is a very accurate analog in Steam format speak to the content that's available throughout their actual official webpage, www.mightynote9.com, in which their main fact for the game says the second question is what platforms is the game available on? And for PC, it is listed as Mac, Linux, uh, Windows, Mac, and Linux. So officially, they are still saying 
they're working on a Linux edition. I know I, we're going to go long. We talked about this. This is going to be kind of a longish episode, maybe 45 minutes again. I'm going to try to go through this stuff pretty quickly, as fast as possible. Um, but this is a, this is, the devil's in the details with Mighty Number no. 9, as we've all learned over the last three years and change of the development and publishing process. So, officially, in terms of like Mighty Number no. 9's, um, inf- official constantly available to the interweb, um, public and corporate, uh, their official company line is that, and by that I mean, you know, the, the, their webpage, which is, you know, them forever, their statement to the world and the universe, as we know it, they are saying that Linux, it's still, even though it's not support anymore, Linux is one of the platforms that it's being released for. Now, another factor to consider when evaluating this, and this is inference, not, this is, this is, this is what we can infer from, you know, blah. Mighty Number no. 9 Steam Store page is very much like the news section on their official website. There is basically nothing there. Beyond, on their official website, the only news that they've had, apart from like two or three posts, um, immediately preceding, during, and then a couple days following their street date. The only other news that they have posted was recently they, they got, oh, thank hallelujah! They got a, uh, some sort of development deal to make an animated series out of Mighty Number no. 9. Word on Linux compatibility for that cartoon is not yet available. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is they've been very, very tight-lipped and or, uh, what do you call it, derelict in the duty of maintaining their official information because one of a couple things has happened. Either they forgot to edit their own fact for their game after completely dropping any future of Lin- any future planned support for Linux. They, and they forgot to remove that from their fact, their official fact, their actual official documentation to the world of their actual policy. They forgot to edit it, or it's still planned. I have asked them for an official, just, just, I asked them three questions, and I was very nice, you know, it's not, and I'm not trying to beat up on them, but I do need to know, because here's the problem now. In the Steam store, in the Steam forum threads for Mighty Number no. 9, in one of the Linux threads, someone brought up a really good point. And I, I, I didn't bother to check this, um, because I'm just generally super fucking glad that the Steam store's ret- uh, uh, return policy is actually there. Um, and so I didn't bother to actually check the verbiage and details in, in that, in, in that, um, in that policy, but it's, and I can't, so I can't remember if their policy is like 20 hours and within two weeks. Or 20 hours or two weeks before you can return it. But someone in the, the Steam, in the, in one of the Linux threads on the Steam forums brought up the fact that the actual ability to seek a return from Steam on Mighty Number no. 9, regard, they're just fed up with waiting, um, for Mighty Number no. 9, which they purchased as part of, um, the Steam store's official offering, which said that it had Linux support. They're tired of waiting and they're no longer eligible for a return. And so, like, that's starting to factor into all this. And what I have to say, 
And so, and the only thing that's coming out of, uh, the people behind Mighty Number no. 9 is total silence. Um, and they, it seems to be just a real growing, 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 uh, like I said, I gave you the spectrum, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> curious, curiosity, concern, discontent, hostility, blind, raging fury. Um, and here's what I want to say. I've seen this pattern repeated so many times, and I don't understand why we still do this at this day and age. But they need to get some official word out about what they're doing with this product. I'm going to tell you why. This goes beyond... Oh, yeah. I was right. Whiskey. This whole scenario is an object lesson in exactly what not to do. Not just with your fan community or with your fan base or even just with your target demographic slash market audience slash, you know, um, percentage of the population that, that you intend that you, that, that, that's going to buy whatever it is you sell. Here's the thing. And this is what I, I constantly see. And these days, it's basically inexcusable for, for this sort of situation to, to result in this outcome. Previously, it was okay. You could get away, you could totally get away with not being held accountable to your fans. You could also get away, depending on the size of your company, with not being held accountable to any critical media, any industry publications, or even aspects of the industry itself. The market, ultimately would judge, you know, your actual profitability would be the final trophy and final verdict on whether or not your strategy and entire product, you know, blah, 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 was successful. This is no longer true. But even beyond that, because now we're talking about independent developers who have um, been uh, granted a market that allows them to compete with triple, with, uh, with AAA publishers in terms of the amount of uh, units they can sell, time and attention, all without ha- the overhead of having to produce physical video games and or produce um, huge uh, manufacturing budgets and and promotional marketing campaigns and stuff like that, they can get the they can get access to the same number of uh, of gamers just by offering it digitally via Steam. All of that having been said, ultimately what this comes down to is a basic failure. This has nothing to do with corporate anything, really. This has everything to do with a basic failure that a lot of people, especially in new media, people who use new media, like people who try to use a website to talk about their company and stuff like that, there's something that they fail to understand. And it's becoming, it's become, it's gone, it's gone over, it's gone on now over and over again for so many years. I have to say something. They do not understand that people who actually follow updates about what they're doing, about their products, be it a game or an actual product, but let's just talk about games. They don't seem to get this fundamental piece of the equation. And this is why I'm sick and tired of seeing this. When people follow you, when average consumer Joe follows you intensely 
or is just interested enough to send you an email asking about something or friends you or follows your product on the Steam store. That is indicative of something that I don't think the people behind these products understand and I think if they do understand it, they absolutely underestimate the power of it. The whole world is full, trust me, 99, no matter what you're doing, 99% of the world does not give a flying fuck about anything related to what you are doing, including and especially the minutia of something that is a work in progress. And that's a really, really, really low estimate of how many people are completely totally fucking not interested and in fact are kind of averse to listening to even a four second sales pitch about what it is you're doing the whole world is antithetical in the care column about your project so when someone you know follows you on the steam page or you know, likes you on, or follows you on Twitter, or signs up to your newsletter, or joins your forums, or, and this is the ultimate, you know, we, we can strip away all of this technical bullshit from this equation. If someone, and it doesn't matter if they're part of the media, or just the general public, or anyone, if someone sends you an email, And, you know, it's not negative, I guess. But even if it's negative, you know, if someone bothers to send you an email or try to connect with you, that is indicative of one thing that is the most powerful force in the universe, as we've learned over the last, you know, decade and a half. It is indicative that the person who sent it absolutely loves what it is you're doing and notice that word love because that's what we're talking about here friends we're talking about love and we are talking about a type of love that is way more powerful than romantic love we're not talking about you know like I want to get it on kind of love we're not talking about lust horny horny you know sexual Oh, yeah, I'm starting to get turned on, though. Aren't you, Ivor? Yeah. Oh, hit that, Barry. Barry, let me know. We are talking about a type of love more powerful than even that. We are talking about friend love. Because friendship, my friends, is magic. And what is friend love? Friend love is what the individual who really, really likes what it is that you're doing. Like, for instance, the case of Mighty Number 9. They are so interested that they will back you on Kickstarter. They follow your updates. They eagerly read, digest, and communicate with other fans about, you know, the latest news about this forthcoming product because it represents everything. It represents a lot of stuff that they really have an affinity for. And whether they are aware of it or not, your product and therefore their relationship to you as the actual human-based avatar, and you can mean whoever just answers all of the email or just combs through the fucking email slush pile, you know, every two days or once a week or whatever. Um, 
that person is the embodiment, the physical, real human embodiment of your product. And that person is to these people, especially, I don't care about anyone else, but when someone bothers to write you an email to ask you, hey, I bought Mighty Number no. 9 for Linux. Are you, I saw recently you guys dropped it from the Steam store. Do I need to file a return from the Steam store or are you still working on it? For you to not respond to that email in any way, shape or form. For, and this, that's like the bare minimum is just responding to that. You know, you can just send them some boilerplate. We are still working on, we're not still working on it. If you're swamped with emails, you know, come on, get an intern. They can copy and paste. Trust me. They can do, they can, they can, they can handle getting some sort of response to everyone. And this is the thing, like, and this goes across all, because we're human beings here. We are motivated. We are a fundamentally gregarious, species we need other people we recognize in other people's safety acceptance and the ability to fight in greater numbers with allies and the ability to survive fatal accidents mishaps and to sustain greater damage through adventure through dangerous adventure combat hunting etc in having a companion an auxiliary, a backup, an ally, a friend. It's the most fundamental thing. And so, when you have a friend, here's the thing about friendship love. Now, we'll get back to this. I know this is turning into a rant. I know we're going to go, okay, fine, we'll be an hour long. But this is totally worth it because I don't think that people who are behind these things understand it. When someone cares enough to write you, and I'm going to go straight back to exactly what I know everyone is thinking about, right? In terms of the game industry, we're talking Abraham Lincoln circa 1962, 1862, depths of the Civil War. You know what Abraham Lincoln spent doing two hours a night, even though two of his children had died and the entire country is tearing itself apart, and he has the worst general in the world losing a country-destroying civil war, a country which, not just to him, but to the entire world, was a beacon and embodiment, a test case of a grand experiment which proved that all people, all people are created equal with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and that people are capable of self-government without needing the, the province of a divine dictator or the divine right of kings. No Calvinist. No, we can govern ourselves. Representational democracy. You know what he spent two hours in the middle of that doing every night? He answered Male. Now, <laughs> it's, it's only important, it's only important to provide replies to people who, you know, write you or contact you or whatever. It's only important to reply 
to those people to give them something, you know, to give them a response. That's, that's, you know, blah. It's only important if you're in any business, sell anything, make anything, offer any kind of service or do anything, even non-for-profit, even, you know, whatever. It's only important if you work in any of those fields and or you don't wish to completely spend the rest of your life and your products or service or whatever it is, you know, you do, and you don't wish for it to spend its entire existence in eternal uh isolation and Stygian darkness of complete, complete, complete friendlessness and uh ignominy and, you know, basically met with antipathy by any other human who confronts it. If you care about that, then yes, it's important. But what I want to talk about, what I think is very relevant to this podcast, is this friendship love. So powerful. When someone writes you about a project like Mighty Number no. 9, it doesn't just mean that they care. It doesn't just mean that they're curse really interested in Mighty Number no. 9. It means that whether they are aware of it or not, and forgetting the profitability of such people, forgetting the fact that this person is a super fan. They don't even know it. That's the coolest thing about being a real legit super fan. You don't even know it. Like, you don't, like, I have a fucking Venture Brothers tattoo. I'm not kidding. I don't think of myself as a Venture Brothers super fan. I know every fucking, I mean, I'm a, you know, <laughs> I don't know it. I was in a bar two nights ago. I was like, hey, do you watch Venture Brothers? Oh, no, let me tell you all about it. Same thing with Linux. Although, like, it's been so long now that I am fully aware of the fact that I'm a Linux super fan. So, you know, these people, they are not just tastemakers. They are not just, they are viral vectors. They are your guaranteed purchasers. They are your early adopters. They are your test market. And beyond all this, if you want to strip away the metrics of it from your own perspective, even if you were just a fucking computer interested in the bottom line and also took away the fact that these people are guaranteed to buy the game and are guaranteed to buy gift copies of the game and are guaranteed to talk about the game and tweet about the game and infect others with the game and spread the word about the game and absolutely love your game. Forgetting that, forgetting the bottom line impact of that, even if you were just a computer, you would recognize that these people are your friends. And not your enemies. So what do we like to do with friends? What does friendship mean? Well, friendship is magic. And it's magic because friendship means I understand you, you understand me. Even if neither side actually understands each other. It's the thing about friendship. Same thing with love. You know, unrequited love. But friendship can be misconstrued so easily. It takes almost nothing. How many people in your life right now, if you had to pick out of everyone that you talked to over the last three months on a face-to-face basis, if you could only choose five of them, how many of those people that you may call your friends, like in casual conversation, if you only got to pick five of them, how easy is it to eliminate people of you know from that list of friends who would make it onto the onto the boat onto the island and yet both both parties in that relationship still regard each other as friends 
It's that easy to maintain a friend-based relationship. And when we're talking about a product, we're talking about a, a collection of a lot of ideas and stuff. Ideas, styles, especially about a video game. We're talking about something very personal. A lot of ideas and styles, visual, music, um, plays with archetypal, um, uh, genre-specific, uh, you know, um, typical elements and, and, and folkways and, and et cetera. Um, play mechanics, you know, old, new, and in between, you know, and, and if people are interested, really interested in that, that means even if they don't, even if they consciously don't actually know this, when they write an email to you, there, if you, if you were to fMRI brain scan their fucking skulls, it, the friendship pathways, which are deep and primal and powerful and totally subconscious, they're emotional pathways. They are lit up like a fucking pinball machine, like a NASA mission on bad reentry. They are alive and they're a as they write that email to you. Now, they don't expect, I mean, your average sane person doesn't expect an email that comes back saying, oh my god, I love you, you, you're so cool, from, you know, this guy who's working on this thing. It doesn't expect that. That would be awesome, though! How awesome would that be? You know what I mean? That That's how you can tell if you're a super fan. Anyway, but, you know, you don't even have to write them, but if you, if, if, anyway, while someone's writing that kind of email, their their brain is alight with true friend love and that is who they are that's how they feel about your product there's almost nothing you can do that will destroy that friend love and that friend love will see you from release to release and throughout your entire life they will be your friend they will like what you are doing and provide that you don't just turn out horrendous nasty shit and blah but even then generally speaking when we form a relationship, be it online or in person or over the phone, we want a relationship. Our friend love, when our friend love becomes concerned. Oh, so what, what does it take to maintain that relationship? It just takes a automated email or whatever. That's it. And that friend love just goes on burning bright and completely satisfied and totally happy and once again restored to merely the status of eager anticipation. Okay, fine. We'll go an hour and 15 minutes. What I'm telling you here is the only way to destroy friend love and it's hard. It's hard to kill friend love. That friend love beam is it operates with a mind of its own. It really does. There is very little conscious. In fact, if you were conscious of it, you would be disturbed by your own friend love. If you could actually see your own friend love for different things, like as you looked at them, like in an augmented reality scenario, you would be disturbed. My friend love for my Amazon Echo is ridiculous. My friend love for you, the listener, is profound and powerful and will never be reduced. Um... <laughs> But it's completely emotional. The best and basically the only efficient way of destroying someone's friend love for you is by closing, by making 
it known to them that you have closed your friend love receiving portals they have been battened down when you shine your ray on them they close because they are not interested in you and what do I mean by that friendship means fundamentally being at, you know at least pretend cursorily interested in the life effects concerns and cares of the person who is your friend it's the very basis of friend love you know we sh- we're in this together buddy oh something bothering you are you okay do you need help but is something bothering you what's on your mind think about it this is the ba- now with friend love in the fan sense you're not even aware of it and you're not even aware of it when you're dealing when you're dealing with your friends even your very close friends you're not even aware of it because it's 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 basic you know unless you, you like myself are complete sociopath and you know you only have friends so you can torture and kill them later in your in your fungin uh i'm just kidding i'm just kidding be my friend be my friend <laughs> I don't ever find the bodies. um but the basis of friend love is being even if you're not pretending to be concerned about the things that concern your constituents your friends so when someone writes you at all, anything about your product. And you close your friend portals to their friendship love beam. That might be the greatest sentence ever said on this podcast. Then you are strangling with both hands slowly and agonizingly their actual friend love beam until as the weeks go by, maybe days, sometimes maybe hours, sometimes maybe days, depending on how awful it is for them, you will kill their friendship love beam for you. And there is no way to ever get friend love back. It's, it's kind of difficult to get friend love on the fanboy level. Cause it does, I mean, it, besp- it, it bespeaks of an absolute affinity between the, the project and the, 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 the fan. And that, that love is very personal, profound, and the result of, you know, entire lifetimes worth of experiences. So it's very difficult to get. It's also very difficult to kill. But if you want to do it, absolutely certainly, you can ignore, especially after you've asked so much from so many people for so long. This is why Mighty Number 9 is completely doing everything that I see all the time. All that's necessary for Mighty Number 9 to not continue. I mean, this is like the friendship fucking apocalypse the friend love that is dying the friend love that has been killed over the last month unimaginable it's like all the it's like all around man it's like a billion friendship beams cried out in one final burst of hope and we're suddenly swallowed up in silence and the unmitting curtain of silent darkness and oblivion <sighs> but just 
FYI, and for any per, you know pers- pro- perspective or future developers or whatever or PR people for God's sake or marketeers or people who want to make friends and meet new people and attract allies and be successful in life, the alternative is to just constantly destroy everyone you meet. <laughs> if you're going to be alone, you have to be the ultimate nemesis of everything else that's living. Otherwise, you're going to need friends. So the lesson here is, how could Mighty Number no. 9 have done this better? Well, if it's been too much for them to handle, they needed to hire a PR person to handle it. PR people can work, um, you know, by hour or pseudo pro bono. Paid by billable hours, you know, at a set rate, you know, they don't, they'll only do what they, you know, blah. If you can't handle this, then you need to have someone who can handle it for you. Once you start taking people's money through a Kickstarter campaign, I think it's incumbent upon you to really make at least an hour out of your day. I don't care how fucking busy it is. You have to get to this shit. Maybe two hours out of every week. You have to get to this shit. Once you start taking people's money, especially, you have to get to the shit. But if you want to just be fundamentally successful in anything you're doing, you have to have someone who's handling this shit. If it's not you, then you have to have someone who handles it. Now, specifically, what steps should they have taken? What steps should they be taking right now? It's very simple. When they pulled Linux from their Steam Store page, whoever did that should have posted a news item to their Steam Store page. And maybe, depending on blah, they should have modified their Steam Store blurb to explain in one sentence what the status of Linux is for this game, and if they had enough space for two sentences, why they took, why and when they took down the Linux support icon for Mighty Number 9. See, when people who are concerned about something don't get any answers and are, like, a brush off is one thing, but silence after given enough time having elapsed between a request and then just total silence becomes a rebuke and becomes a brush off. And that's when concern becomes hostility and hostility. You can never overcome hostility. You can't someone, if someone is really directly angry with you, even if you ameliorate their natural impetus to act against your interests in a peacemaking Jimmy Carter sort of way and come to some sort of understanding and apologize, it is almost impossible for that process to result in a fully repaired, happy, fully restored friendship beam. Once you, cause you strangle the friendship beam with your own bare hands. It's a visceral, brutal process that leaves someone damaged when they think of you. What was once like, oh yeah, I can't, wait. fuck those guys. Even if you're not aware of it, <laughs> someone doesn't write back to you, fuck those guys. Those guys are assholes. And especially when enough of them gather in one place and basically have pitchforks in front of your, in front of your castle, as has happened with Mighty Number no. Nine. What I said in my previous feature about a month and a half ago is like the last week of uh, June. I am now in complete reversal of. I'm not in complete reversal of because I want to hear back from them. 
And this has nothing to do with my email to them. This has everything to do with the fact that no one can get any answers from anyone that's official. And this makes people crazy. And it makes people with friend love for you turn their friend love beams on other people, on the other beacons that are coming from their planet. And they turn on each other and they start asking the interface and no one knows anything. And then they start, the friend beam gets bigger and it goes from being a friend beam as you're, you slowly strangle the life out of them. You call them cunts and fucking idiots. <laughs> and you laugh in their faces, even though you're only doing that by not replying. As you slowly demonstrate to them that you do not care at all about their concerns, considerations, or their feelings, and reinforce and make sure that they know that their life, their support, and their existence is absolutely immaterial to you. the angrier and bigger it gets. You don't even have to reply to everyone. You could stop all, you could have stopped all of this by the week after, you know, the Linux support thing. Well, fine. Um, you know, okay, you launch, Linux support's not here. Tell us why. You don't even have to tell us the truth. Say, so, oh, we're, exp- we're working on the Linux, um, support. We came, a- there are some last minute major bugs. We're doing a quality assurance pass, blah. Then the only other thing necessary to make sure that you don't get overall mixed 1,480 reviews, not, not, hardly any of those are Linux people, but, or, or are for, for Linux based complaints, but those are for people who have been just generally dissatisfied with their overall experience, anxiously trying, trying so hard to give their friendship love to Mighty Number no. Nine and experiencing constantly being made to feel that they are fools and that their friendship love is absolutely not only not wanted, not, not only not reciprocated, it's unwanted here. And that, my friends, is the sad story at, at present day. I'm hoping that they'll get, get back to me with an official line. That's all they had to do. That's all they had to do. It takes literally 30 seconds to update a Steam store page. It takes less to tweet out a new official line for your product. Don't, so the lesson here is do not kill the friendship love beam when you are lucky enough for someone to be interested in anything that you're doing. Say hi. That's basically all you have to do. Cause they can misconstrue that however they want. I'm now best friends with Mighty Number no. 9. Mighty Number no. 9 will be back and they love me. They love me too. That might not be what you're consciously feeling or thinking or what you're consciously after, but that is what on an emotional level you feel. So there you go. If you ever go into the game industry, you cannot mitigate these sorts of situations with silence is what I'm trying to say. Silence only makes it worse. You don't want to offer too much information, but you do, especially after, like, I mean, especially after a week. At, you know, I would say every 10 to, you know, 14 days, 
you have to say something official. Because otherwise, you look like you're ripping people off. And that's the best case scenario, to say nothing of all the friendship love that you you kill. And friendship love can never be replaced. This guy is never going to get the opportunity to do another game in Afune. Not, not, not like this. Not like this. Oh my god, all the recent reviews are not recommended. And I played the game, I thought it was pretty fun, but I only played it for Windows. We'll see, but this is exactly how you don't handle this. And yes, ultimately, I, I gotta say that I, I can hear people who are in the game industry, you know, either on the PR, marketing, or actually the devel- development side who have gone through this process as they brought a product to market saying, yeah, but you know, we ultimately took our, you know, the corporate, the corporate, uh, stance, you know, that, that was advised to us, you know, by the market, the marketing department or PR people or whatever. We adopted that and, you know, we just shut our mouths and like they said, you know, it took some time, but eventually it all worked out. Yeah, it all does work out, kind of, but you've destroyed, not just decimated, this sort of thing annihilates your fan base. There, it, it, it just, the friendship beams blink out at insane rates throughout the universe. So don't kill the friendship, love. Bring it on. Like, as much as I can, I interact with, you know, Fans of this show, fans of my books, fans of, you know, my music. I try to be, you know, I, it's not like I have millions of hours to, you know, blah, but I try to get back to everyone, at least get back to everyone if I'm, you know, made aware of, you know, what, and especially if they write, you know, like a, with a basic question or like a, 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 a question that's short, articulate, and, gives me a good platform to provide a an adequate answer, I'll fucking sit there and I'll spend 30 minutes and write an email response. You know, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, when people care, don't throw them under the bus. Make them... It doesn't take a lot to make them feel the way you should feel about them because that type of love, where they love your game, they love your product, it does mean that you and they share a special affinity that... Difficult to replace. So, there we go. That's Mighty Number no. 9. It's still, the saga continues to leap, to limp stoically, silently, wounded, disgraced, Ronin like into the middle distance, if not the distant horizon. Hopefully, we'll hear an official line back from them. All I asked was, and it was a great email. It was one of the best toned professional emails I've ever asked as a member of the press for any sort of official comment about something. It asked basically um, these three questions. Is, is Linux support still planned? Um, if it is still planned, is Linux support still planned or are you or has it been eliminated from the Steam release? Two, if it is still planned, do you have any update or can you share any details about the, about why the delays are happening or how long we might expect to wait? And that was it. Um, the fact that so many people have so many questions is just 
all it takes to stop a storm like this from happening. And these people really, really, even if they're not aware of it, even the ones who are rational and like seem to be, you know, just meek kinds of people who are asking these questions in the forums, the silence that follows these questions in the forums, it's deafening to these people and it's infuriating because it's really... It's really like, no, it's not like it, fe- it. It is on an emotional level. Fuck you, you. You know, I don't care about you. Fuck you. You want to whine? That's what. That, that's what I hear when I don't get a response as a fan to something. You know, I got a, another fanboy moment. To share. Yeah, we'll go an hour and a half. Fuck it. That was really important, though. I wanted. I want. Thank you, Ivor. So. Our third top story. Oh, by the way, this week we have a feature for you. It's our Starbound review. It's going to be a short review now. Um, anyway, our third uh, related story will be covered at the top. Our third related top story will be covered at the start of our new Noteworthy. So hit it, Ivor! I was a North American fall when were in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. And that, of course, were the words of uh, the weaponized chess uh, developer, founder, blah, 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 guy. Um, in his, Oh, my goodness. We don't have this pulled up. Oh, shit. Oh, I fucking... It's my fault, not Ivor's. Um, in their absolutely one of the worst Steam Store primary videos for a game I've ever seen, weaponized chess. It's 10 minutes of... the. Let's do that again. Do do you like to play chess? (laughs) Anyway, okay, so Weaponized Chess came out on July 29th, so yesterday. Um, builds itself as just like regular chess, but in 3D with weapons and with stealth elements. There are weapons and other objects your pieces pick up and use to fight. Enemy pieces are not always visible, just as your pieces are not always visible to your opponent. Um, currently there are no user reviews. I am going to get this game because if for no other reason than the simple fact that there is no Windows version, there is multiplayer for Linux via Steam and Steam OS. It only runs on Linux though and Steam OS. So Weaponized Chess is $19.99 and it looks really cool. And the video that I've watched is a 10 minute long video, which I have harvested. Oh, uh, I've harvested very carefully for a, for numerous little golden nuggets. This guy is eminently quotable. Um, uh, the 10 minute long video, I've watched it several times. As terrible a video as it is, it, it does explain what weaponized chess actually is all about. And I am actually excited about it. I like chess, I like playing chess, and I have to cover this. Because it is very much a Linux game. So if it doesn't suck, you'll hear more about it in the coming weeks. So that's Weaponized Chess. Yeah, can we we hear that again? There is no Windows version of Weaponized Chess. (laughs) What is this fucking ponderous, man? Ponderous, fucking ponderous. There is no... Windows version of weaponized chess. That's a tasty preview of the soundboard future that, 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 that amongst many other, many other, uh, of, of the clips I've. <laughs> it only runs on Linux. <laughs> That's so awesome. Okay. So that is 
uh, <laughs> in the rundown, it says there, instead of uh, weaponized chess, it says there is no Windows version of weaponized. That's weaponized chess. W E A P O N I Z E D C H E S S, as in the board game. Then we have a game that I almost, uh, decided to review for this week, but we need more time with it. It's called Defect. And I think it would be better titled as Defector. Or Mutineers. But, anyway, Defect, D-E-F-E-C-T, is a very interesting game with, um... With a lot of really cool play mechanics. Uh, here's what they have to say, and then I'll tell you the premise as far as I play. I got like eight hours logged in it. Came out earlier this week. Um, no, actually it says it came out July 28th, so it only came out two days ago. I guess I've just been playing this shit out of defect. Uh, create the most powerful ship in the galaxy piece by piece, take it into battle, and then lose it to a treacherous crew in an endless cycle of punishment and revenge. So the thing, really what defect is all about is at the end of every mission, you lose the ship that you have carefully designed before completing all the other requirements for the mission. So, in between missions, you design a ship, and that's the best and most fun, kind of most fun part of Defect. I really enjoy bringing the ship out and seeing how it handles and behaves and whether or not it's successful in the coming battle. Um, the battles are actually um, scenario-slash-story-based. There are things that I do not like at all about Defect, though. One of them being um, the plotting slow load screens in between the um, the build section. The But the build is absolutely awesome. The other thing I don't like is that 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 kind of slow hiccup of loading your mission is then followed by like the ec- other attention hiccups that are not paced very well either of these stupid cinema sequences that you you can skip but you seem I don't know it doesn't seem like you can really skip them and they're they're not paced that well to make you feel like you're actually in the game when you're finally in the game and in control but other than that it's a top-down, Asteroids-style, really pretty, lots of physics, lots of fun uh, game, Defect, which we'll have a full review of probably next week. Um, I really like the game right now. There's some people who've, who've really not liked the game, though kind of for these reasons and other reasons. I haven't played it enough to really pick a side yet. But Defect, it's full price. It's $14.99. Runs great on Linux. D-E-F-E-C-T. Oh, yeah. And the other thing about Defect is so as soon as you win the mission, your crew defects. They they go mutinous. They take your ship. They leave you stranded in like this uh, jetpack, you know, small life, personal life support system. The Starbase ferries you back. You build a new ship. You do another mission. You complete, you know, all the mission goals. Then the ship from the previous mission that you built flies in and then you have to defeat your previous ship with your current ship. It's actually really cool because, like, you know, you have to consider the fact that you're going to have to fight this ship and there are all sorts of constraints and uh, considerations in terms of building your ship that get pretty detailed and there's also a budgetary component to it. Um, and it's a very good system. I really like it. It's very compelling. It's surprisingly addictive. So that's Defect. Then we have a game, the type of game that I almost never feature on this show. Um... 
I don't regard, I, I'm averse, I'm antithetical to puzzlers, infinite runners, um, survival horror, and, uh, tower defense. But this isn't a puzzle game in the sense that I mean puzzlers. This is like a puzzle game a la Tetris. This is called Quatros Origins. Q-U-A-T-R-O-S Origins. It came out July 29th, so just yesterday. Um, it builds itself as a block puzzle game that tries to reconnect with the good old days where classic arcade games were easy to play, but hard to master. That does nothing to describe what this game looks like. Quatros, which I intend to buy, um, is $4.99. Quatros is actually four-sided Tetris. So you have Tetris, but you're playing Tetris on four surfaces of a cube that you can rotate each side being interlocked on the edges with the uh, adjacent sides. And you can rotate in between the sides at will. That's what it looks like. Um, a lot of people really like it. It's $4.99. Q-U-A-T-R-O-S Origins. If you've been looking for a Tetris-like game, uh, but, you know, can't really bear to bring yourself to play, you know, any of the free, um, versions or play-alikes that are available in your, your package manager or are available as freeware on the interwebs as binaries or even just source code, then, uh, Quatros looks like it might bring some Put that spark back in your, put that strut back in your cut, that glide back in your slide. Um, so that's Quattro's Origins. Then, just real fast, a game that was in early access that we mentioned when it was in early access. Uh, just as I said, that we will not cover speedrunners. Well, this is a speedrunner, an infinite runner. It's, it's, it's not an infinite runner. We don't cover infinite runners. We have no problem with speedrunners. Although speedrunners generally are. But anyway, Seum, S-E-U-M. We gotta get some audio from this. That's right! Seum, S-E-U-M, Speedrunners from Hell, the only heavy metal competitive first person platformer. Looks like Quake, but with all these traps and shit, and you are timed, and your performance will be evaluated by Satan himself! On the leaderboards of the unholy, Seam Speedrunners from Hell. We it was our video uh, featured uh, video of the week um, a while ago. I'll see if I can dig up uh, that video and put it in the uh, show blurb for this episode. Um, Seam is out of early access and completely finished. Overall, the reviews have been very positive. Came out July twenty eighth. There have been seventy nine reviews already. I actually, for as much as I hate this type of game, I had fun playing the free demo. Um... I don't know if the free demo is still available. Yes, the free demo is still available. And that runs great on Linux, so if you're not sure, blah. But now, through August 4th, Seum, S-E-U-M, Speedrunners from Hell, baby, 20% off from $14.99 down to $11.99. Check it out. Especially if you have any nostalgic feelings for uh, Quake, the original Quake. This looks very much like it. Plays great. Plays fast. Really challenging. I, I'm not... I was gonna say I hate heavy metal. I don't particularly hate heavy metal, but I'm not a big metalhead. But uh the original soundtrack is pretty fun and the overall experience um I enjoyed it and it's very polished. Congratulations to CM Speedrunners from Hell for escaping the hell of early access. Something that fucking Mighty Number no. Nine could also have Yes, Ivor, whiskey time it is. Our cheers, ladies and germs. My friendship love beams for you, the audience, will forever be shiny. <laughs> mm.
damn. Let's continue this trucking. Um, up next, we have a game that's very near and dear to uh, my heart. Primitive Plus. Full com- total conversion um, pack, which is free if you already own it, for Ark Survival Evolve, one of the best games... I guess maybe kind of best games, period. It's very, 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 very good. And I've spent a lot... How much time have I spent playing Ark? Hang on, let's go find this. You see what happens when I when I record the show sober? Like, you get shows that run 20 hours long. I'm sorry, but we got... I, I gotta go... I gotta go see this. I gotta go... I, I gotta go see... Anyway, so Primitive Plus, P-R-I-M-I-T-I-V-E Plus, as in, like, the the symbol. Hang on. Primitive... God damn it! Ivor, you bastard! That's it. Ivor Molina, crack engineer Ivor Molina, will no longer be answering his uh, friendship love beam portals because he is going to be spending the rest of our corded time fucking hard labor to assault mines! Yes, we do have, we do maintain a comprehensive salt mining operation here at the Fortress of Darkness where we produce the best thing. Don't cry, Ivor. It just, that just makes me want to hit you more. I played 140 hours of, um, Ark Survival Evolved. It's a great game. Primitive Plus, total conversion, which is totally free if you already own Ark. Um, is a, here's what they bill themselves as, is a free add-on uh, for Ark Survival Evolved that alters the availability of tools, weapons, and structures in the game to reflect what humans could realistically create using real primitive technology and resources. It doesn't simply remove advanced technology from Ark, but instead replaces it with a multitude of new resources, engrams, which are like recipes. You, you can't make anything unless you know the engram. And, uh, and systems. In fact, there's so many new things, uh, to do that one player could never hope to master them all. Well, that's the same for Ark. So anyway, if you've been looking for an excuse to bust out uh, Ark again, you can download uh, this DLC for free um, if you if you already own Ark. We'll talk more about Ark before the end of the show. It's mentioning our ideals. And then finally, I mentioned right at the end of my little rant that there was another moment about communicating with your fans and with journalists and stuff. Speaking of which, Forced Showdown which we reviewed in last week's episode, if not last week's episode, the episode before it, I wrote the guys behind Four Showdown, just sending them a little link to my review, um, and a little, you know, little note saying, I really like your game. Thanks, guys. Here's something for your clip file. I'm sure it's fucking overflowing with critical praise and rants at this point, but you might need it later for marketing your next title or something like that. Um, and they wrote me back, um, provided me with actually with a key, which I did not need, um, to, not only just a key too, but they also pointed out that that Sunday, which was last Sunday, Sunday of last week, they would be releasing finally the fourth event for Ark Survival Evolve, or I mean for Force Showdown, um, the Mentor's Maze, uh, expansion, which brings a whole new character to the game, which is a big deal. I just fucking unlocked it. It's fucking <laughs> a lot of fun. I like I really like Force Showdown. So I wanted to hit them up for the new and noteworthy because of this expansion which is it does make the game 25% bigger um and is brand new, etc. um 
so yeah, check out Force Showdown. If you've been looking for an excuse to jump in on for on the action in Force Showdown, no better time now. The Mentor's Maze. And um, I can't remember his name, but it's something like Setfu or something like that. The mechanized giant robot character that is really pretty badass. I've had a lot of fun playing at, as him. He's awesome too. So he's new content as well. That'll do us for our new and noteworthy. Uh, we had wind weaponized chess for which what what do we say about weaponized chess no windows version of weaponized chess that's right that's what i like to hear what 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 else oh you have something else to say it only runs on linux that's right bitches (laughs) how gratifying was it to hear those words being spoken by someone by someone who's actually made a game so we had weaponized chess we had defect d-e-f-e-c-t which is really a bad title for that game because it looks like it's defective but they mean defect not defect and they mean it as a verb instead of a noun <laughs> but we had defect um which we will review probably next week uh one way or the other because a lot of people are really really uh have some profound uh what, what do you call it Emphatic. There we go. They have some emphatic beliefs and opinions about about defect. Top down asteroids like you build your ship, complete the mission, lose your ship, uh, fight your previous ship, and then lose your current ship, um, which you then fight after repeating the cycle. Um, lots of fun. Quatros Origins. Q U A T R O S Origins, which is chess on four sides of a rotating cube that you can rotate at will in two dimensions. It's pretty cool. It's 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 got a really nice um backlit uh demi retro but super hyper future future simplified art style that I, I really like. And it looks like a fun game. If you're looking for a, an update of Tetris or for a new puzzle game like Tetris, Quatro's Origins might be just what you're looking for. Then we had, and from the divine realm of the, from the wonderful world of the world of the forms of Tetris, where it might just be the world's greatest, most perfect game, closest touching the hand of God, closest to touching the hand of God as it reaches down from the ether from the ethereal realm. And we go to hell, baby. Seum, S-E-U-M, Speedrunners from Hell, is now available. They also still look like they have a free demo available. So if you, you don't want to pay the eleven ninety nine or whatever it was for Seum, Speedrunners from Hell, check out their free demo. Congratulations either way. Runs great on Linux. And then Primitive Plus, Total Conversion for ARC, downloadable content um, for ARC Survival Evolved. Totally changes the entire game. Really cool. I love that ARC has really gone out of their way to foster these types of um, communities. ARC is an awesome game. I'm so gratified that they have had success, which is a th- another theme we'll touch on in our in our next segment. Um, and then we had Force Showdown, which just released um, a totally new update. I can't I can't quite suss out if it actually requires you to pay for the new content or not, and. Don't ask me to give you the details of why I can't quite make, why I can't quite verify that in one way or the other. You don't want to know, but just know I'm not sure. So either way, Force Showdown, as it was when I last reviewed it, like last week or the week before, is 100% worth full price, no sale. And that was a Force Showdown that didn't have the 25% more new content that, uh, 
this expansion brings. And I think the, if, if, if you do have to pay for it, I think the expansion is like $3. It's very, very reasonably priced. And by the way, those developers, they got back to me the next day after I wrote them. And I didn't even ask them a question. I didn't even ask for a response. See, it's two, two ways of doing things in the world. Right way in the cowboy way. <laughs> anyway, Ivor, that brings us to, see, I told you, like when I, when, when I, when I get a little buzzed, that's right, Ivor, you're right, more spinach, more whiskey. Mm. 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 In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. Oh yeah, baby! Review time! Our review this week... Man, it's been like the controversy episode. Like, wow, I just realized... Wow, okay, because, like, defect, super controversial, super stratified, uh, you know, uh, mighty number nine, absolutely the source of some mild, not so mild, but pronounced consternation and anger on the part of our review this week is called Starbound Leaving Orbit version 1.0, which was released last week, July 22nd, 2016. And were it not for the other um, competing titles uh, that we've talked about this episode, this would absolutely have to be the number one poster child on my list, maybe for all time, but right now for recent memory. Starbound, super stratification among the people who have reviewed it, especially recently, um, both across... Uh, players of different amounts of experience both before and after 1.0 and people like me who are who after Starbound reached 1.0 uh then jumped into the experience and really fell in love with it so let me give you first let's uh, yeah let's punch up um the actual oh shit this is not your fault Ivor this is my fault I mm, uh, I love how they make it so hard. They make it so hard to get to people's websites from the Steam Store. Alright, playstarbound.com. Oh god, my allergies. Playstarbound.com, the official website. They have an interesting blurb on here about the history of Starbound. If you like, if you are at all like me, then you've been on Steam for about two years now. Um, and recall Starbound being in early access for all of that time. So I knew that, but I didn't really know the full Monty on the history of Starbound. Uh, I knew that it coming out of 1.0 was a big fucking deal. Okay, well, they changed their... Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Why? Why did they change their site design? Why did they do this to me? This sucks. <laughs> They used to have a clearly identified history link and they don't anymore. <laughs> oh, I looked at this page. 
under four days ago. <laughs> How is this possible? How could they fucking manage to do this? And they replaced their otherwise perfect, <laughs> their otherwise perfectly clear and easy to navigate. Oh god, sight with this, which is just <laughs> confusing my asthma and a gigantic mess. Oh my god, how could this happen? Oh, okay. Oh no, here we go. Actually, it's not true. I was, I was, I was incorrect. So here's what they have to say about the history of Star Mountain. And I, I wanted to get this straight from the horse's mouth so that I get my facts straight. According to them, and you can find this, um, on their, uh, media link, you know, their, their, uh, resources for, uh, media outlets. They're underneath the link to history. And I suspected something like this because I remembered there being a Kickstarter campaign and I've always remembered it being in early access. So when it came out of early access on the 22nd as 1.0, I knew this was a big game, but I did not know this. This is verbatim from their site. Starbound development began in mid-2011. In April 2013, we hosted a pre-order campaign for Starbound through our own website using Humble Widgets. We received an overwhelming amount of support from our community, raising over a million dollars towards the game's development in less than our first month. In December of 2013, Starbound entered early access on Steam, and within three months, we had sold over one million copies. As of February 2016, we've sold over two million copies. Since its early access launch, Starbound has has sold at a steady pace and has popped up on the Steam top sellers list as well as the top 10 most played games on the platform, with concurrent players peaking at 88,000 during launch and and 40,000 after large content updates. So, Starbound, from here are the salient facts, and I think they do, the facts don't always tell the entire story, generally they need to be placed in contact, context, but I think the facts that we just learned really help to outline and provide, you know, like the rig, if you're into 3D modeling and animation, they give us the, the skeletal outline and help show us how the, the mesh and the skinned mesh of history, why it's turned on the pivot points that it has and why so many people of certain types feel the way they do now. Salient facts. Starbound has been in development for five years. Bing! Fact one. <laughs> to borrow Chris Fisher's uh, little bell from Unfilter. Second fact. Basically, it has been in early access since 2014. December 2013, so that's really January of 2014. 2013. December 2013, so that's really, well, we can bump that up to January, so that's two years and change. Two, two and a half years. It's been in early access. Two million people over those two years have been playing Starbound in early access. They've been playing early access Starbound. Let me repeat that. For two years. When you play a game for two years, Regardless of knowing that it, it's not the final form of the game, you, for my money, whether it's an early access or you're a fucking playtester or what, any game that you play for two years, for my, to my mind, 
no matter what happens to that game or what happens to the rest of the planet and and or humanity for that matter your experience of the game which you have been playing for two years is always going to be of that game as you played it during those two years you following me and the beautiful thing just like a just like an absolute head over heels falling in love with someone and you know the whole thing ultimately ending in you know the worst catastrophe of disappointment and pain and anguish and in the worst way and just something that will give you pain for the rest of your entire life just as that pain at the memory is your own the memories of all the absolute fabulous things are also entirely your own can never be really shared with anyone and can never really be experienced by anyone else other than you in the way you experience them when they happened so why do I bring this up the main controversy surrounding Starbound 1.0 is a lot of people are have been posting not recommended reviews with hundreds of hours logged in the game and they are comparing this Starbound to the Starbound that they played in Early Access. And speci- and a lot of these reviews, unlike when I ranted a month ago about Mighty Number no. Nines, like, you know, crit- uh, hatred, the waves of hatred, of hatred beams that were being, it takes a, just as it takes a lot to get someone to send you, uh, a question, it takes a lot of interest for someone to bother to take time out of their day to send you anything. Um, that means they are fan love. It also takes the same amount. It takes actually more effort, but it's more, del- it's, it's, it feels more rewarding if you're a sick motherfucker and you have, nah, I'm not judging here, but it, it, it's more visceral and sometimes gratifying and necessary to vent hatred in the form of, bro- instead of being slowly strangled to death by, you know, being ignored, your love beam, your friend love beam being ignored. This is the friend love beam episode, evidently. You can also realize, I am getting killed! My love is getting killed! And you can flip the switch. It only has two settings. You can flip the switch from love to fucking nemesis mode. In which you broadcast, instead of your love, your hatred. Well, the reviews for Mighty Number 9 seem to be based on reasonless insanity, not reason-critical opinions, which makes a lot of the reviews for Starbound, which are absolutely, a lot of them are very even even the negative reviews are very very thoughtful and very well-written and draw comparison and specific comparisons between features that were eliminated between the early access version whatever iteration, however old and from whatever era to the 1.0 edition and justify their negative review, their, their not, you know, their thumbs down, not recommended review based on 
those comparisons as the criteria. I am not someone who is in a position to referee that dispute. That dispute really actually isn't between those people and the game. If you think of a review, if you think of a critical, like a really thoughtful, critical review as an opinion-based essay and a position-based argument articulating and supporting that position, it really is, a, a review is always an argument generally with the the thing not with the thing that you're reviewing but with the way the thing that you're reviewing stands up against the potential of the medium in which it's rendered kind of divided by um the perceived or possible inferred intent of its creator and the way in which the intents of its creator matched up to the limitations of the medium, overcame them or were overcome by them, um, met them or fell short of meeting those expectations. And then also in a larger perspective, how, how, how in the bigger picture of the history of the medium itself does that title contribute or you know is, is it attempting to or is it just you know blah, blah, blah you know does it make does it take full advantage of all the technology that it could have where 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 from a critical perspective um might changes have been made etc so generally a review is an argument against really the medium as a lens, as the reverse that, really a review of a game is really a review of the silhouette of the game again, you know, with the light being the relief, it's, it's in relief of the light of the history of the medium and the features of the medium. You know what I'm saying? Generally, a review even even a good or bad review is not an argument with and or against the subject of the review it's not generally it's very it, it shouldn't really i mean really if you, if you're thinking about it the subject is a game the subject is always going to be an inanimate object or ultimately, like in the case of a performance or a play or whatever, it's going to be the subjective memory of that play. But there are, there are elements of that play that, you know, are irrefutable, regardless of the quality of the performance and et cetera, the other ephemera that are unique and visceral to the uniqueness of theater, blah, blah, or the performance of a piece of music or et cetera. Um, it's not an argument with a thing. You're not, I mean, anyone who argues with a table is an idiot. And you're not also, you're also not arguing with the creator. You guys are kind of, kind of talking to each other. A, a good critical review, be it funny or really stone cold serious, isn't an argument with the creator or with the, the object that the creator has produced. It's with 
the medium itself attempting to describe the advantages, disadvantages, and ways in which the work itself has, has, the work itself bends the medium to its own will and provides, uh, provides an experience that's both, you know, satisfying and et cetera, and charming or whatever other unique characteristics. But it's not against the work itself. You can't argue against a game. You can't yell at a game. Believe me, I have tried. I've spent the last 16 years of my life arguing against, literally against. And that's crazy. That means that there is something like a table I have been arguing against. Well, not really. But I, I would, if, if, if it came to that, I hate it so much. I would argue. I would stand at a podium with a copy of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater fully mic'd up, standing there exanimate on the opposing platform, and I would do parliamentary debate with an inanimate object. That's how much I hate it. If it came to that, for the whole world to finally fucking listen! But anyway, so what I'm trying to say here, in my own very gentle way, yeah, I, have, I know, we're only going to go ten more minutes. I was very surprised, because I had already played 30 hours of Starbound, and had already made up my mind that I fucking love this game, and for the reasons that I loved it, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that was in, like, the first, I want to say under 72 hours. I played a lot of Starbound. I really like this game. It is fabulous. It's $14.99. If you want to know the full content of my review, if you want to know the nuts and bolts, the thumbs up, thumbs down, go buy it now. Go buy it now and buy a copy for your friends. Then they can, you can all play together. It's a charming, magical, magical game. It's a very special game. It's a, it's a game, uh, not on caliber because Minecraft for me is not a chartable game. It doesn't go into a top 10. It doesn't go into a genre because Minecraft was a game and is a game that changed everything. Starbound is a game that's close. It's, it's within the same really weird, super, 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 super awesome, imaginative, touching, open-ended games that allow that that anyway so to to finish what i was saying before though and i think it's very important so i played for 30 hours and i had already made up my mind that yes this is absolutely worth it's the highest honor i can bestow i wish we had some sort of sound effect for that um but i don't think we do <laughs> i just realized this i know exactly what sound effect that <laughs> I know exactly the sound effect we should have for this. And I know, I know that I have it somewhere because I sampled it myself. I can't believe we don't have this. Okay. <laughs> but I, I have forged Starbound the highest honor that I, Starbound 1.0, the highest honor I can give any game reviewed on this, my humble podcast. It is a hundred percent worth full price, fourteen dollars ninety nine cents. But I want to finish this up. By by the way, just so you know, Starbound is a two dimensional side scrolling. It kind of looks like Terraria. See last week's new and noteworthy episode because it was actually a review that 
provided the impulse for me to actually buy Starbound once it hit 1.0. Um, it was one of the first reviews that I happened to read. It was a thumbs up review by none other than, I'm going to give you up by someone whose screen name was Rick Astley. And I tried to find this review subsequently so I could thumbs up his review, but I, I couldn't. Um, and this was, you know, when I was preparing for this review segment just yesterday, I couldn't find Rick Astley's review, but I read a lot more reviews and most of them were negative of Starbound and most of them placed Starbound in this tilted context where they were comparing Starbound 1.0 to a game that they spent two years playing that they watched change a lot over those two years and they were comparing Starbound to a game that doesn't exist anymore and that will only exist experientially for them in their memory and nowhere else and that's you can't compare the two feature by feature that was removed or added or mechanic that was removed or added because it's, and it's not fair just from like the rules of art, from the rules of, you know, analytical criticism, semiotic criticism. It's not, you, when, when the artist gives you unfettered unique access to a work in project within their studio unfettered for the entire duration of that works um nascent development gestation um and uh you know creation none of the iterations none of the snapshots of that work that you hold as you enter you know at nine o'clock in the morning on a saturday and you look at the painting in this one light and it's beautiful and you think it's finished and it's you know blah that's yours that doesn't mean it's finished and when it's finished when the painting is finished when the play is done when the final draft is sent to the editor and copy and it's camera ready and it's done and it goes in the paper for the next day you can't compare any earlier version that the artist has been gracious enough to let you experience with the finished version just as when making a definitive edition of anything there are lots of hard decisions, especially a work that has taken as long as Starbound to complete. I'm not reading this from any prepared notes. I'm actually just, I'm speaking from my heart as a, as an artist and as a critic here. Five years is a long time to work on something. I'm speaking from a, the perspective of a developer here. I've worked on projects for four years. I've worked on projects for five years. I'm working on a project right now that has taken me eight years. I've also seen projects that have taken, you know, three to four-ish years to complete. I've seen them through to, to fruition and final definitive complete editions, you know, blah. And in finishing such a big work, such a work that has taken so long out of not, you know, me, people, People think five years and they're like, oh, but it wasn't really five years. It was just a minute here, a minute there. No, generally speaking, if it's five years, it means if not a fucking 
slavish devotion to an ideal that is so deep within only your own conception of what the finished work should be like and in the heart of, heart or mind or conception of any other generally speaking when something goes on for five years it means that they've spent the vast majority of that time really working probably 20 to 50 hours to 80 hours a week on it so it's very difficult to out of those five years and all that time and all that money and all the success and everything to really put together a definitive version but a definitive version must be assembled the finished product must be released the artist has to say when and then when he says when he begins for a project of this size he begins trimming all the stuff and looking at what what needs to be there what you know blah takes months after you know project it's taken this long it takes months and then a definitive version which represents hopefully not a composite but hopefully is the most full realization of what the artist's conception was to begin with is released to the public to the critics to the media and that is the only version that you can judge Luckily for me, I didn't spend any time with Starbound in early access, so I came to it with absolutely, and don't get me wrong, I gotta say, before we wrap this show up, one of the, I read a lot of these reviews, and one of the negative reviews not only was so articulate and so heartfelt and so um well-written and thoughtful and obviously and really beautiful, it was a really beautiful review, not only was it all of those things, it was something that I identified with on such a personal level. Something that I never talked, I've never talked about on this show or in print. And it was a negative review that I completely disagreed with in every way. But I totally, I totally understood, um, where the guy was coming from. If you haven't ever played Starbound, now is the time. Don't read the negative reviews. I had no idea and I still have no idea and I really don't care about what got cut. I know that what's there is really special, unbelievably fun to play, beautiful, touching, and feels very, very, very polished and humongous and gratifying, fun, exciting, frustrating, difficult, mysterious and just alight and alive with so much of what I think makes the the medium of the video game as an ex as a as a artistic platform so unique and so expressive and takes advantage of these qualities for interactive storytelling that is not binary but is self-revealing and open-ended and imparts the user with an experience that is truly their own and really can't be replicated with crafting and all sorts of fun stuff and adventure and mining and immersive, immersive, beautiful uh 2D pixel art. 
That's what I feel about Starbound. So we'll get to the deals, and this week I swore I give it my highest rating. For 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 this for the context of of this podcast, Starbound gets my highest rating. And now because we've gone on for an hour and forty five minutes, which is basically as long as the rant that I recorded immediately before this. Anyway, we'll do it without music because we're going so long. Deal section for this week. Fly and destroy, which is forty percent off at one dollars nineteen cents now through August fifth. That's um a two dimensional game like asteroids, but it's nothing like asteroids. It's a really really fast moving game where you try to collect these power ups uh in this repeating star field of asteroids. The power ups allow you to destroy the asteroids. You complete each level, and once all the asteroids are destroyed, I think that's if I get it right, that's how it works. Um. And you upgrade your ship and stuff, and you're ranked, and the levels are themed, and there are leaderboards, the faster you destroy all the asteroids. Blah. Looks like it has a lot of potential for being a really fun game. It's a dollar and nineteen cents. Then we had, as we mentioned, Ark Survival Evolved would come up before the end of the podcast. Ark Survival Evolved, the main base game, is now 50% off through August 4th at $14.99. So if you want to get in, uh, if you never really cared about Ark, but you thought that Survival Plus, the new DLC full conversion that's free with Ark, um, sounds more like your cup of tea, you know, like an actual simulation of realistic human survival, um, primitive human survival, well, now you can get Ark for 50% off at $14.99. Fabulous game. If you don't have Ark, get Ark. Just do it. Just listen to me. First person, Minecraft-ish, it's a very, it's survival-focused, highly realistic, Minecraft-esque with dinosaurs, um, resource gathering, hardcore survival, Dimension the Dinosaurs, absolutely realistic, photorealistic in it, in terms of beauty. Best if you have, um, hardware acceleration. Fabo game. And then finally we have, and this vexed me last night when I tried to come up with the actual facts of this, but we have Universe Sandbox Squared, Universe Sandbox 2, which is 20% off at $19.99. I could not find anywhere on the page where that deal actually expires. So, as soon as you hear my voice, go buy Universe Sandbox Squared, 20% off at $19.99. Because you're the man, right? Listen to this podcast. You made it to hour one, hour one, minute 47 or whatever. You're the man. Become a god. Nothing's more fun than watching moon swarms. Swarms of moons that have no gravitational reality other than the gravitational pull of the swarm. As you send them careening through the solar system, they tend to be disruptive elements in terms of the gravitational pulls of all the planets. Then watch the next thousand years as everyone's orbit is decayed and the Earth gets swallowed by the sun. And, oh, it's awesome. Put, for even more fun, put a black hole just outside the Milky Way. See what happens. And make it really powerful too. But, you know, a couple light years away. A couple astronomical, astro- AUs away from, from the solar system. Not the galaxy, the solar system. See what happens. It's awesome. That's actually one of my favorite things to do. And in terms of like a simple demo that takes only like three minutes 
you know, to, you know, to set up and watch from soup to nuts to like the fruition is so amazing. And yet the, every step along the way, everything that happens throughout those three minutes as you watch it evolve is very, very interesting. It doesn't happen at a pace that, you know, blah. You can just use the default setting. Just put a black hole, just a couple astronomical units outside of, uh, the universe. It is psychotic. It would be terrible. And I got to say one last thing and I'll let you go. My friend Beam focused on you, baby. But uh, there's nothing like watching the climate rendering of planets and shit in Universe Sandbox 2. It's one of the most interesting and unique features. Complete meteorological simulation. Um, There you go. One of the longest episodes in our show's history. Thank you so very much for listening. Check out the uh, show notes for this episode for links to everything. I hope it was worth it. I felt it was important to talk about the friend love. And what can I say? Hope someone listens to it. (laughs) Cheers. Thanks for listening. Next week, Excelsior! The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.